Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Y Football Podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokru. After a break last week, we are back this week to take a look at what determines a player's value and whether clubs pay over the odds more often than not when signing players. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and YouTube. Uh, Eches, good evening. How are you doing? Yeah, good mate. Um, another win for Arsenal. Um, steaming up the league. Aaron Ramsdale's going to be England's number one. He's going to be the world <laughs> number one soon. Uh, ESR, uh, I think I've said a few times in this podcast. The thing is, people were laughing at me. Ah, oh, God. All these guys were laughing at me, being like, if Smith Rowe never made the England squad, he's not good enough. And my man is moving like Blade. He's just so, he's on the ball, he's just gliding along the pitch, he's playing so well at the moment. And I know come March, when the next squads have been announced, um, they'll be in their words for sure. Um, but it's been, <laughs> it's been really it's been really good for the Arsenal um, games today. The West Ham was a cracking match, watched that in the pub, that was really good. I mm. um, thought West Ham played really, really well. Uh, obviously City Derby, RIP to Oli. Well, he's actually still in the job and he's alive as well. <laughs> but but obviously you know they're not they're not playing too well and yeah I think I think the Ryan could be on the wall um for him but yeah it's it's not been too bad at all I was in Manchester saw a few mm. sites there uh good place good, good vibes um, a few sites you mean sites in terms of drug people or like actual landmarks yeah landmarks mate <laughs> uh landmarks went to the Arndale Centre uh oh, yeah. went to the cathedral uh went to a cinema there, can't remember the name of, a few nice restaurants. Mm. Um, yeah, mate, real good. Uh, <laughs> very wholesome. What, what about you? How are you doing, Jordan? Yeah, I'm not bad. Sutherland have been uh, quite poor recently, which has been a disaster. Five defeats and seven in all competitions. We have got Arsenal in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup uh, right before Christmas, which would be good. If I can get tickets for that, that'd be great. The Emirates Stadium. Um, it's good to be back in the Premier League ground <laughs> after after so long. That'll be good, um, particularly if you're an Arsenal fan. Based in current form, we're going to get absolutely smashed because when we when we drew you guys, which actually was last, so it was last Saturday, I think the draw was. But since then, we've lost really heavily, um, or we've just lost two games, and we've lost like five out of seven, as I said. Um, so when we got Arsenal, I thought, you know, actually, all out of all these teams, I want to go at the Emirates. I Arsenal, the sort of club that would lose to Sunderland in League One. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they so that's what that's, that's what I thought. Not even just if you just completely take away the, how good the squad is and obviously how much better Arsenal are the team um, and how much better they are than than some of the other candidates like you know even like West Ham and um, and Brentford who are also still in the competition. I believe. Um, I thought, okay, good. This is, uh, you know if we play well, you know if we get a goal up against Arsenal, sometimes the crowd can get in the backs so that working our favour. But now I just think they're going to get tanked. And also because Arsenal have been a little bit inconsistent this season, finally got some form back. But I just can't. I can just see Arteta not wanting to lose that game. So we'll play a strong team, <laughs> which kind of goes against what I just said. But um, if that happens and we don't perform, oh, we're just going to get battered. So hopefully that doesn't um, doesn't come to fruition. But aside from that, I am not bad. So which is um, why the episode this week? There's there's a certain there's a certain player who I don't think many people do know. In the summer of uh, 2016, um, a man who moves from Lorient, a very talented French midfielder. Well, he's actually Gabonese, but he was playing in France. Um, powerhouse in midfield, technically gifted, um, mm. goal scorer, goal getter, yeah, defender, the whole lot. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic head of hair on him. 
moved from Lorient in France to uh, Sunderland, the, the, oh, bl- wow. the Black Cats. Yeah. Great knowledge. <laughs> but the, but the but the name of Didier Ndong. Mm. Now Didier Ndong was and still is, I believe, Sunderland's record signing. Yeah. And uh, I think part of this podcast is to determine whether players are overpriced. And I can say, after doing a few statistics and a few numbers, that Didier Ndong was indeed overpriced. <laughs> so I think that's that's all for the episode this week. Uh, <laughs> the main reason why is because I was at a pub watching uh, Man United Spurs, which honestly. <laughs> Uh, on it, I would have rather have watched like handball with like with like French subtitles or French commentary. Like it was just so, <laughs> the game was just so dull in terms of quality. And I think obviously Ronaldo's goal was great and Cavani's was good as well and Rashford's to be fair, but the the overall quality was poor. But we were talking about football um, and Spurs in particular. A friend of mine, a guy called Clive, was talking about oh. Do you not think um, loads of the Spurs midfielders are overpriced and they overpay? E.g. Ndombele, who is a baller but hasn't worked out for a club record fee. Giovanni Lo Celso, who played... So, my guy is left-footed, right? And he has a, he has a, he gets the ball on the counter and he could slip in Sun with his right foot. He <laughs> opts to use his left because he prefers his left or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he is actually right-footed. That would probably make more sense. But he tries to play the ball with the outside of his left boot and wow it was actually <laughs> one of the worst because if he plays it properly like he's through he, he'll probably be through on goal and he will probably have a shot on goal and then you know he will either you know potentially score knowing Juan Minson he probably will score and mm. the pass is just so bad uh, obviously it's one isolated incident but again he's another player where Spurs have paid in excess of 30 odd million pounds and he's just not been it, you know, 36 million according to transfer market, which is just not it at all. And, you know, we spoke about Devinson Sanchez as well. And what I kind of thought about was, you know, what is that value? What are we comparing it to? Like when people say, oh, you paid 80 million for Maguire. People can't comprehend how much money 80 million is. When am I going to see 80 million? <laughs> I'm never going to. I don't even think I'm going to see a million, let alone 80 of it. Like, and you get, you've got a singular man in Neymar worth 200 million pounds mm. like it, it's hard to quantify and like what is value you know all of these players even players that cost five million are costing so much money you know how do we quantify it all so the big question kind of is or why I want to do this episode is how do we determine players values and are most underpriced or are they indeed actually overpriced in the case of Didier and Dong mm. you know we have determined he was overpriced um yeah, that, that, that's that's my main takeaway from this episode, Didier and Dong, hold tight. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was just so bizarre that we signed a player for that sort of money. Because to be fair, it wasn't actually that, compared to what our, I think our record was before, I think we paid like 12 million for like Conor Wickham, but it wasn't like a massive smashing of the record, but still like 13 million, your record, um, for a player that didn't, just was so unremarkable. Even playing the championship for us, that was unremarkable there. So that tells you a lot about that player. Um, um yeah, I mean, football manager will tell you that there is actually a set market value price. Um, but is there really a player's contract has a value? So maybe that's what the football manager value is. I don't know when you, and not to bore people with football manager chat, but if you renew someone's contract on that game, their value increases. So I think it's just the value of the contract, which again would come into would come into context, I believe, with any sort of transfer. Um, certainly their wage would in terms of the viability of that player. Um but in, unless a player is transfer listed, is there actually a list? I don't. I don't know. Is there actually a transfer list? Because when I go again, when I'm playing football manager, I'm playing FIFA. 
there's a list. There's a list of players that are for sale. Where is this list stored? I've always been, I've always thought this. Is it on Moise's desktop? You got Moise's desktop. Yeah, Moise's desktop. I, I reckon players, there are players that are known to be available because they get tatted around by agents. Obviously, the ones who are absolute garbage will get offered uh, here, there, and everywhere. And then some people have massive reservations about. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's an official list. Um, if, there, <laughs> if, if there is, I hope Nicolas Pepe's on it. That would be quite good. But um yeah, I can yeah. only assume it's on some like SharePoint drive or like Teams drive or something, like a T point <laughs> channel where all the man just got it. I don't know, man. But yes, I mean, as I said, like if you know, if I go to Sainsbury's, I will pay the transfer list price <laughs> for something. I mean, actually saying that it's not always the transfer listed price that a player might go for, but you know, I buy a box of shreddies in Sainsbury's. If I don't want to pay the price stated, I like, I leave the shop empty handed. If I do, I will quite more often than not leave with a box of shreddies. If I go to your Fletcher's, beautiful, beautiful flat in in, uh, in Brixton, and I offer to buy your sofa, which is not technically for sale, but I love to buy it. The price will depend on a number of things: how much you paid for you paid for it when you bought it, um, how long ago you bought it for, how much you really want to keep that 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 sofa, um, how much I will really want that sofa, how much I'm, I'm willing to pay for it, and then how much I think the most important factor here, <laughs> not just the terms of the sofa, but also really important in terms of transfers. How much it will cost you to buy a new one, um, either like for like or a better version of that of that product. So that's where I think this comes from. You know, there isn't a set price, and therefore there's so many variables that we're going to discuss. And you, I have really good examples you used there with those Tottenham players. You know, I thought the Celso, before doing this, I actually in my mind thought he went straight from PSG, but actually went via Real Betis. Um, Spurs paid a decent amount of money for him. Sanchez was bought by Ajax like the year later, a year before, sorry, for like four million. From Atletico Nacional, I think in Colombia, uh, then sold them for around like thirty-seven million the next season. So it, it's mad that the, the value can shift. And then in Don Belli, I think is a real prime example um, of a player where he was so revered, like someone like you know Sanchez played Ajax for one season, had a good season. I think that was the year that they did really well in the Champions League, or it might be the year before or the year after they did really well. But the the team was growing, you know, um, and so you can it still makes less sense and Don, and Don Bellier was very much revered as, a, as this next kind of star in the market playing for Leon, and so you can see why his number has jumped so much up to that amount like you're just basically Spurs are paying what they're willing to afford and how much Leon are really willing to part with for that sort of play and how that will benefit their team going forward so I think they're really good examples yeah, I think first of all we have to highlight that um, we're in no way linked or associated to DFS sofas uh, because I think obviously <laughs> I don't know why you decided to pick a sofa as an example, uh, and and DFS sofas sprung to mind. I used to go there with my parents when I was a kid. Uh, oh, so nice. yeah, I thought I'd share that with everyone. So yeah, no, there's no, <laughs> no affiliation or ties to DFS sofas. Also, as well, I think with with the shreddies, you, you missed a key point, right? I think with players, right, you can get the Tesco standard shreddies. You can actually buy shreddies the brand. And you can probably buy some weird, like gluten-free, shreddies, sugar-free, but also very healthy. And if you eat ten of these a day, you will elongate your life by ten years. But they will all have different prices when essentially they're the exact same thing. Yeah, and I think that sure. I think that comes down to transfers as well. You, there is a player on the market who has played very well for a very short period of time. Normally at competitions, they become that premium product. When in fact, there are other players similar quality if not better don't have the name brand around them maybe because they're playing in a weaker league mm. or they've slightly gone off form 
and they get forgotten for the shiny new uh tesco premium version of shreddies but i don't know we're not going to go mm. into shreddies for too much longer because that, that's uh that's a bit of a waste of time yeah but... apologies to anyone who's got celiac disease um gluten-free yeah. products are uh you know a vital part yeah of they, are, diet. they are to be fair <laughs> and also as well i'd be i'll be offering myself an absolute peanuts it does my back end so <laughs> <laughs> that's getting that's getting shifted in seconds but um they're, they're all really good examples so i kind of wanted to touch on the history of transfers because um yeah, obviously we have the world record broken by uh, Mr. Neymar Jr. himself, but there's there's quite a good timeline of fees over the years. So I thought I'd do a quiz uh, note. Dryden actually tried mm. to fill this bit in beforehand, but he doesn't actually know the questions I'm going to ask him. So we'll have to wait and see. First <laughs> question: If you get over, let's see, if you get over five, uh, yeah, we'll see. Actually, so who was the first million pound player? You won't get this, to be fair. I put this in because I knew you'd get it wrong. Oh, wait, it's not the first. It's not Troy Francis. Nah, I think he was the first British. He wasn't the first million pound player. Oh, sorry. Yes, but he was actually, his fee was actually 975,000, you know, but with with uh, with tax. Yeah, nice. That's probably, that's probably, <laughs> that's probably why it's not on it because it's, yeah, someone else. It, yeah. The, the year was 1974. Oh, Tino Espria? Something like that? No, he's far too, that's far too early for Tino Espria. I don't know why I haven't said that. I'm thinking of I think I'm thinking I'm thinking of a Eusebio, but that was even far too late. Mate, you're watching him on Premier League years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 1974. Who's playing 74? Uh, all wrong. The answer is Paul Brightner to Real Madrid for one million pounds. The next one's easier. Ten million was broken in nineteen eighty-four. Who was it? God, I'm gonna be doing shambolic here. Uh, ten million pounds in nineteen eighty four. Eighty four, the eighties. Um, this is this is still still quite challenging. Ten million was spent in that at that time. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. Maradona, correct. No? To who? Oh, I'll take that. Uh, Napoli, correct. Oh, came good. out came out of nowhere there. Yeah, very very decent. <laughs> That's why I put it in because I thought you, you probably will get Maradona. That's a good guess. Uh, then this one, oh, we should know this one. Uh, 1996, world record was broken. Uh, it's 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 Alan Shearer. Is that the world? Was it the world record? Yeah, we're world I think it was the world record. Was world, was world, it's world record. You know what? I have to. I said this in the last episode. Shearer, man. When you say, "Oh, do you regret picking Newcastle <laughs> over Man United?" <laughs> Shut up. What do you mean you don't regret it? Like, you know what she is actually a great example of this podcast of like when we go out and talk about value and were they worth it because like if you ask anyone was alan Shearer worth that money most people would say yes because the guy scored so many yeah, goals he scored did, so he many he goals did, for southampton did. so many for blackburn and so many for newcastle but actually in terms of newcastle like the value they got out of not just him but like their squad at that time that was a big fee to pay obviously mm. it was a world record but actually, like when we talk about financial value, are we talking about the money that the club then recoups, or you know, uh, in terms of profit? Or are we talking about like <laughs> more pure things around around like uh, I don't know, like just doing well for the club? The answer, the answer is always success. So Shearer wasn't worth it, even though he was that good. But that's not his fault because yeah. he did, he delivered his part of the deal. Is because Newcastle were just useless. They bottled it throughout the 90s and then 2000s, they were useless. But yeah, that's Shearer. The next one is 2000. Who broke the record fee in 2000? We're talking world record, aren't we? Well, no, no. Uh, actually, the Icelandic uh, league record <laughs> is actually my specific question. 
That is so rude. Um, 2000. Um, is it Zindine's done? No. Oh, 2002, was this? It's not Rion Ferdinand, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not a bad guess, but no, it's not Rion Ferdinand. Just knew he swore to be fair. Yeah. Uh, Luis Figo? Correct. Ah, to nice. which club? Uh, from Barca to Real Madrid. Correct. And then the next nice. one is 2001. Uh, is it in Zidane? Correct. Is it in Zidane? There's on the tip of your tongue. Very nice. Then uh, we've got 2009. Uh, 2009 would be. Um, uh, that's Ronaldo, isn't it? Yeah, it's correct. Yeah, it's Ronaldo. I thought 2008 for some reason. 2013. Uh, Bill. 2016. Uh, Pogba. Correct. And then 2017 oh. is obviously Mr. Neymar Jr. Um, very, very decent. So the question kind of very, after very all decent. of that was, it was good, good answering, mate, to be fair. Paul Brightner, you're never getting that. That's why I put it in there. Um, <laughs> the, the question kind of is, you know, were they worth it, those players? And even if you look at the top 20, you know, what are you specifically buying? You're buying players, obviously, to, to get, you know, for success. You're not going to buy the world's best player and think, yeah, our, our aim is to actually come, you know, sixth. The idea is that when you buy the world's best player, you're in a position to obviously win titles most likely or mm. your aspirations are that's what you want to do that very, very soon. I'm sure when Newcastle bought Shearer, that was their plan. PSG with Neymar, all sorts. Yeah. It's it's world domination. You know, mostly you buy players coming into their peak, which is around 25 to 29. Don't at me because people would be like, what about Lewandowski? I don't care. What about Ronaldo? I don't care. What about Messi? <laughs> I don't care. I'm just saying that that's their peak because people, you know, it is changing in modern football, you know, with advances in player recovery, load management techniques. So some players are playing for ages. But mm-hmm. ultimately, when you're buying a player, that's still kind of determined as the peak. So the question is, is how do you actually determine their worth? And I think... You mentioned that before about, you know, is it resale value and stuff? Nah, it's just if they're any good and if they deliver success, you know, you know, if Eden Hazard mm. scores Rabona's weekly blindfolded, fans wouldn't care if he cost four hundred million pounds, let alone a hundred million. However, he put on a bit of weight. I know he shed that now. He hasn't played too well and he's, <laughs> he's been injured a lot. So fans are gonna question the transfer. There's not gonna be one fan in the world who will question Ronaldo's fee. But when I'm looking at this list of top fifteen transfers, I reckon if I go to Barcelona now, there's going to be a lot of Barcelona fans being like, why the hell did he go and pay all that money for Griezmann? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be even more fans being like, why the hell did he pay that fee for Philip Coutinho? Because it's just, it's, 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 it's not about the fee itself. It's the value that the player actually delivered. So when we look at the top 15, we've got Neymar, Kylian Mbappe, Antoine Griezmann, Philip Coutinho, Jao Felix, Jack Grealish. Oh, don't mention that when I run dry and he's going to start crying. <laughs> uh, Romelu Lukaku, when he went to Chelsea. Uh, Usman Dembele going to Barca, Paul Pogba, Eden Hazard, Ronaldo, Bale, Ronaldo again going to United, Harry Maguire, uh, and Gonzalo <laughs> Higuain, Harry Maguire, man, like, fair enough, is what it is. And, you know, overall, you know, looking at that list, it's a mixed bag. I mean, plucking out names from this list, obviously Killian is the guy, like, he's actually killed him. I just call him killed. No, it doesn't work. But Killian, <laughs> Killian obviously is the star out of that list, you know, 163 million, but is exceptional he is actually worth more than that now i would say in terms of his age market value and how he's delivered oh, continue man mm, that's <laughs> an l that transfer <laughs> griezmann as well didn't really deliver he's gone back to atletico joe felix is an interesting one obviously he was bought because they had sold griezmann so 
his fee was probably you know rose a lot because you know Benfica he was at they knew well you've just received 107 from Barcelona for Griezmann so we're going to request as much for Jao Felix which is fair Villa rich club obviously demand a lot of money for Jack Grealish jury's out Lukaku jury's out even though he was very good at Inter Usman Dembele, very talented forward, but £97 million. Pounds. I don't know. Paul Pogba. I love Paul Pogba. always will do, but £89 million. Pounds, don't really see the value for that. Eden Hazard. Ugh, Chelsea, man. Absolutely. That is that is the definition of getting nutmegged, blindfolded. Like, they've <laughs> done an absolute number on Real Madrid for that one. Ronaldo to Juventus, £88 million, Didn't really work out. Bale is an interesting one. Because Bale obviously started very well at Real Madrid, and I know he's won four. Because they always say, "Oh, he's won all these Champions Leagues." Was like it was kind of peripheral for some of them. But Mm. you know, at the time when he signed, that first twenty-four months, I thought it was exceptional. Harry Maguire. I'm not going to comment on Harry Maguire. Um, Cristiano (laughs) Cristiano Ronaldo. Obviously, the original fee was great as well. But the point of it is that it's not when you're paying. You know, you pay more for quality. It goes back to that Shreddy's argument. You really don't necessarily get it back. Um, mm. Also, shout out to number 20 on the list, my guy, Nicolas Pepe. Absolute bargain. Uh, one of my favorite players <laughs> in the league. Exceptional left foot. Can't get much better than that. Um, yeah, uh, he needs a real big shout out. Kepa was there as well. I forgot to shout out Kepa because that guy is also a joker. I think he was like 24th or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't really need to comment much on that one. <laughs> Pepe, I just think he's... Oh, it pains me to see someone like Pepe because he just... You just want him to do so well. Like he's such a sort of player he is at inside forward, like silky left foot, silky skills, but you just think, ah, it's not going to happen. Gareth Bale is, so we talked about the Shearer thing before. He's had the opposite. If I'm Real Madrid, am I really regretting what I spent in that period? Probably not, because you got four Champions Leagues. And that's the point. Like That team, even though it wasn't necessarily Bale's pulling that team along, he did score in two finals, but it was the team, it was a collective as a whole that did so well. Um, you could argue that the Ronaldo... Was part of that. He signed years before they started winning those Champions Leagues, but it, that was still the building of the team. But like when the bill in itself, like he didn't do, it wasn't amazing for for Real Madrid. But actually, they're not going to look back at that time and really regret what they spent on players because they they, they won so much. If you're like the the, the opposite, it's like the Shearer argument where he was so good in that time, but Newcastle didn't win anything at all, and that's that probably boils down to the argument that. Do we look at a single player in terms of their value and their output over a certain period of time, or do we look at a club and look at who they bought overall within a particular time, and then we can analyse that because then that will give a better, a better indication of whether or not you know if a club buys five players and they all flop, the chances of them winning Champions League are going to be pretty slim. Whereas you could, oh, this is a prime example: a Real bought a player didn't do that well, as you said, was on the peripheral for a lot of it. They still won four Champions Leagues in what five years. Um, that's because they've got other players around them that were so good. They had players like Asensio coming through as well. Isco, you know, which um, those two players didn't command huge fees. Um, so that that helped. That obviously does help. But uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, if you look at the players that have left those clubs that they've then signed for, so kind of taken out someone like Mbappe and Neymar, you see that Ronaldo to Real, possibly the, the biggest success. <laughs> I know it's difficult over time because the values are inflated and, and whatnot. Maguire's an L-taker. <laughs> Dembele just hasn't... He's been injured a lot. The PS, PSG buys are interesting because, you know, roughly £316 million in total. It's a lot of money. Um, 
10 times what Sunderland were actually bought for, which gives you some context. Um, <laughs> but And they've got a blank checkbook. But you look at it financially, is it still worth it? I mean, PSG, I saw a figure earlier, I was looking online, PSG lost 130 million um, as a, I think it was as of the 1920 season, so at 19, uh, sorry, 2019, 20 season. So it depends when the accounts came out, but 130 million they lost that time. Um, it's it's a lot of money. Um, they've had a lot of domestic success, but they're yet to win a Champions League. But even if they'd won three Champions Leagues, like, are they going to make back 360 mil off that? It, I don't it, know. It, it doesn't matter. It's more than that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Look, PSG on a different look. look. PSG are mad. Because those guys in the summer, we you know, it seems set in stone that Kylian Mbappe is going to go to Real Madrid. I believe I can't remember the exact fee. They were offered something like I want to say 170 million for Kylian Mbappe has one year left and doesn't seem like he's going to sign, and they just said no. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're not normal. Because why? As a cl- 170 million pounds for a guy who is seemingly saying he doesn't want to sign and will walk for free, you actually make a profit of seven million pounds. Not a lot, but considering you paid 163, I think fair enough. And mm. you're just going to be like, ah, nah, yeah, we'll just <laughs> we'll just rather hold on to him. Like they're not normal. Like yeah, they're just not normal. I think even for City, if if there was an equivalent at City, uh, you know, uh, maybe not De Bruyne now because he's a bit older. Someone a bit younger, maybe Foden. If someone really wanted to buy Foden, I I would I would say City would turn down 150 million pounds for Foden. Oh, 100%, 100%, I reckon yeah. they would turn. I reckon yeah. I, I would even go as far to say that they would turn down near a world record fee. Like I would say 170, 180, they'd just turn it down and be like, no, we'd rather not sell them. Because it's just, they're not normal. Like they, they don't run like normal clubs because they've just got too much money. Like it is interesting how their fees. And when you look at the list and you read them out, you actually think, you know, a lot of these signings didn't really transform the clubs they expected them to. I yeah, think, exactly. I think, yeah. I think Kylian Mbappe is the biggest success, but then as you said, he hasn't delivered the Champions Leagues. Ronaldo probably is the one, isn't he? Where he's cost a lot of money, delivered the titles that they want, and has been a success. Bale as well, to a degree. You know, he was part of that golden era at mm. Madrid as well. You know, the overhead kicks against Liverpool. He does have his part in history. Um, but then a lot of yeah. these guys, you know, are clutching at straws, to be honest. Um, yeah. Lukaku, jury's still out for him. So then, yeah. why do we pay these mad fees? I think is a question as well. Like, you know, why do we do it? I think there's definitely a point around a player's value. Because this is the thing, this is why fans argue all the time is like, he's not worth 80 million. Look, Leicester know that. I don't care what Brendan Rogers said or what anybody said. <laughs> they know Harry Maguire is not worth that at all, but it's what they're willing to sell for. If you, if my sofa, you know, is like a dream pillow and like it's the most comfortable sofa in the world and it, and it costs me five grand, I've used it a little bit so it's worth is three grand. I don't want to sell it. So when you want to buy off me, it's going to cost you like 20 grand because I don't want to, I don't want to get rid of it. And that's the same with players is people are always not worth yeah, Southampton probably knew Van Dyke probably at the time was not worth 75 or whatever it was million pounds. He is now probably, but the whole reason why is because they do not want to sell. These clubs don't just serve big teams. You know, they have aspirations as well. As long as they Southampton are sitting there being like, ah, oh, you know, our, our aims this season is to sell six players to Liverpool. No, they have a season and an aim and a goal and they don't want to lose these players. So I think part of the reason why we see these mad astronomical fees is the desperation of these clubs to get these talents in and the stronghold that these smaller clubs or even similar level clubs that, that they take because they don't want to sell. You know, there's so many variables when you sell a player. 
you know, how many interested parties are there? Sometimes a player has like six big teams after him. You know, the club's wealth, as in the club trying to buy them, the seller's wealth. If you're if you're Villa now, who are backed by a billionaire, they know they don't need to sell. Hence why Grealish is going for a hundred million. And also the level of interest mm. the player has. These players are moving mad. Oh, I'm going on strike, I'm going to Twitter, I'm gonna burn my house down. <laughs> Like these players are doing all sorts to get these moves and that all drives down into the fees that these clubs pay. I think, you know, often more than not, if you have the money and the club themselves have money and you're desperate or you know that they're interested parties, you pay over the odds. You know, and when you're when you're when you're Man City, who honestly I've mentioned this before as well, love to sign a CB for forty million pounds every single window, does it really matter as long as you get to your end goal? And then even mm. when we say that, we're focusing a lot on these big clubs. It's the same further down the pyramid. You know, if you're paying over the odds and you're in League One, if you're if you're Portsmouth, if that secures promotion, then why not? And we've seen the clubs in the pyramid that like Derby, et cetera, that have struggled financially, probably because on smaller scales, they're paying fees for players they can't really afford because they believe it'll yeah. get them that promotion. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And actually, to your point before, like around the the whole Shreddy's argument where the Shreddy, if it's the Shreddy's brand you're paying more it's like if you're signing Van Dijk suddenly he becomes it's overnight becomes a Liverpool player a, champ, a Champions League player so actually his value already increases overnight so it might not be 75 mil like increases by he might have been worth arguably if he went to another club 30-40 goes to Liverpool 75 his value increases just kind of inherently as a result of being there so um, that's kind of a factor as well Um but I, I agree with the point as well. The last point there is, I've often said quite a few times, clubs often mortgage their spending on future success or revenue. And we saw at the highest level with Barca doing that, um, mortgaging a lot of the a lot of these big signs they've they've made were leveraged on the, on the idea that they um, were dependent on this future future income that they have because they were such a brand. They had this kind of big draw to the stadium, all this money they were making from match days, etc. And then COVID hit and they, can't, they can no longer afford it. They don't have that uh, anymore coming in. Uh, and at champ level, championship championship level, you've seen clubs like Villa did did that quite well. They spent more than they could afford with the carrot on the end of the stick, and it worked. But then Derby, as you said, it didn't work out too well. And even Sheffield, Sheffield uh, United, it kind of, it kind of, it's, it's kind of caught up with them in recent kind of well this season, um, as they've then been relegated from the Premier League and then back in the Championship, not doing so well. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating, and the competition is so fierce. Like you said, bidding wars will entail. Even if it's not for the same player, what happens if your rival goes and buys a player of similar caliber? What you can do to sit and not buy anyone else? You're just going to let them get so much better than you. Yeah. So it's there's so much politics and like context to consider. Um, so yeah, so it's it's just a mad mad environment we're in at the minute. Yeah, and it's just going to keep on growing. Um, like you you hit the nail on the head. Even if you're not in for the same players, like oh they've all strengthened here. What do we do? You know, and yeah, yeah it's, it's a difficult one to answer. But then there is the question about like, you know, where do these numbers actually even come from? So we're saying, you know, why do people pay these fees? Where do they actually come from? I think there's two points. There's definitely the one where there's always a marquee player, right, that determines fees. So I remember when Andy Carroll years ago went from Newcastle, he scored like six headers uh, and he went from Newcastle to Liverpool under King Kenny for like 30 mil. That changed, mm. that changed everything because he straight away is a point of reference to any, because if you're now selling at the time, Torres, no, nah, Torres are gone, but if you're selling, um, I don't know, any striker at that time, who's a lot better than Andy Carroll. And I'm telling you now, there are a lot of strikers at the time who are better than Andy Carroll. Then <laughs> you will say, well, if he went for 30 million pounds, then yeah. my guy's worth 32 million at least. 
So he becomes a point of reference. Kepa became a point of reference for goalkeeper fees because you're thinking, what well, one, this guy's actually useless. So if he went for 70 million pounds, if you're Jan Oblak and Atleti want to sell him, then they'll be like, well, Jan Oblak's going to cost you 100 mil because Kepa is useless and he was sold for 72 million. Yeah. And Van Dijk is what drove Maguire's fee because Leicester were like, nah, Maguire's better than VVD or we think he is. So he's going to cost you more than that. And that's kind of a point of reference with these fees. And that's why football, there's always someone that moves the goalposts, right? Neymar changed it all. We were hardly seeing fees over 100 million. We were seeing, obviously, Bale, Pogba was 94. We were getting towards that point. Neymar changed the game because he went straight from the 100s to 200. And then we started mm. seeing players filter in that bracket below because it's like, oh, yeah, now that Neymar's 200, we can now say, Usman Dembele, you know, all these players, Kylian Mbappe, it's all because that Neymar fee changed the goalposts. But there is also mm. a science behind it. I know CIES, a uh, popular reference point for transfer fees, you know, they claim to have a rigorous and methodical way to actually place uh prices on players they did one in january this year marcus rashford came out on top and people are arguing about it i think contract is a big thing for them in, in their calculations hence why Kylian, yeah. Kylian mbappe wasn't first because obviously his contract is, is running out um you know there's loads of factors um player age contract length strength of league as well you know there are fantastic players we always see players do that middle step someone's tearing up in like the belgian league it's very rare a big club signs him direct because they always want him to go via a Brighton yeah. or a Villarreal or a, not a Leipzig, like a Borussia Mönchengladbach. I know they're a Champions League club, but they always want them at that small tier below before they end up signing them. Player position, you know, if you're Jan Oblak, you're not going to break the world record fee realistically, but if you're a striker, you are. Uh, the mm. role in the side as well is key. I think that all often gets forgotten. You know, sometimes these players, you know, you're, you're getting fullbacks that are the key guy in the team. Trent is a good example. Tierney is a good example. You know, people like Kimmich. These players are not just very good in the team. They are, you know, the heartbeat almost. You know, the brand value of the player as well. You know, we, we spoke to um, Callum ages ago, one of our first pods about the life at Tottenham. And he was talking about how big Juan Minson is in Korea. That's huge. There's a whole market yeah. inside these players as well. I mean, I always say about Arsenal how because I'm Nigerian and Kanu was there at the time, and that's big for Africa. You know, obviously agents as well. We know Mina Raiola likes to fill his pockets up. They all do. And that raises the cost as well. And there's all these factors where these numbers come from. And it's like it's so hard to kind of nail down specifically what they should cost, but it's not that easy because there's so many parties involved. Yeah, definitely. The agent's point is uh is huge. I think we've not touched on it yet, but it, it's going to be a massive factor. Like they're the ones that are going to be in the heads of the players. They're the ones representing the players. When we talked about earlier, these like you know the bidding wars that ensue. You know, I doubt, I very much, very much bet that Minor Riola will go to a club and say, okay, yeah, so you want to pay X? Well, this club, I spoke to this club last week, and they want to pay a lot more, a lot less. Oh, sorry, a lot more than that. So are you going to outbid that? It's like when you're trying to put a rental offer in <laughs> in a flat, mm. um, and the, the estate agent tells you that they're. Um, they can't disclose you the person's disclose you the person's offer because that's against confidentiality, and you're just bidding against yourself. I'm not saying that happens in, like definitely within football, but it's this idea that you're going to have that kind of intermediary person who realistically represents the player going to the clubs, trying to play the clubs off each, uh, off each other uh, to drive that fee up because the, the bigger the fee, um, likelihood is arguably the bigger the wage, perhaps uh, bigger the fee for the agent if they get a cut of that. So um, the agent's got to be a massive factor in this. 
um, that we haven't really haven't really mentioned. But it's difficult because you don't always find out every kind of aspect of each transfer, do we? We don't get to find out all the clubs that put bids in, only the one that it goes to often. Sometimes even when they go to the actual club, it's undisclosed. <laughs> you even find out the full fee for a long time. Um, so you don't know what other, other clubs have been involved, other players that might have been put on the line in terms of swaps, like so much that could have went on in, this, in these sagas that we don't find out. Uh, I think a lot of that is like driven by the agents who realistically could be in some instances the puppeteers. Yeah, no, you, you're completely right. And I think that kind of brings us to our end point. Angels is, agents is a big one. And is that, you know, our players are overpriced and underpriced. Obviously, the question is, the answer is that it depends on the player. But the overall answer is it doesn't matter. I think football mm. isn't really necessarily a sport where clubs look for value. They look for success. And in that success is the, how they determine the value. And we spoke about Shearer a lot. And, you know, he was a successful transfer, but he didn't ultimately deliver. If Newcastle knew by, that by signing Shearer for a world record fee, they weren't going to win the league, they would never have signed him. Mm. They would never have signed him. Doesn't matter. If they said Shearer's going to score 9,000 goals for you in like, <laughs> in like two years, but you will not win the league, they will not sign him. They don't care about personal achievements and accolades. They care about success in terms of Champions League football, in terms of winning the league, FA Cup, winning the Champions League. When you're signing Shearer, you're thinking, not only are we going to try and get into Europe all the time, we're going to try and win it. That's the aim and aspiration you'd be going yeah. for. And I think that is ultimately what transfers come down to. It doesn't matter about the resale value that much. It does as well to a point. If you think, okay, if this doesn't work out, can we sell him on? But the ultimate thing is, will this guy be part of the jigsaw that gets us the trophies that we want? You know, the, the, with the growing wealth of the game, you know, selling clubs have stronger hands and it's essentially pay up or lose out. Because you said before, I think you gave a really good point about, you know, if everyone goes and buys a striker and you're a bit weak up top, you're not going to say, oh, let's just back the kids we have and the experienced heads. Because first of all, what we haven't mentioned is the stakes are not just high. Who are the stakes high for? The stakes are high for the club, but who in the club? The manager. So if he doesn't go well after six mm. to eight weeks, he can get the sack. And now in the modern era, as director of footballs. Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to say, we'll wait till next year. Next year, you may not be in a job, bro. Like yeah. next year, you're saying, yeah. oh, well, you didn't work out well. They said, director of football is getting chopped and changed just as quickly as managers these days. One bad one bad summer. I know Steve, it happened to Steve Walsh at Everton. Then they're looking, oh, we spent 150 million. Why are we 12? You know, heads start to roll. So the pressure is really, really high, you know, just from board level all the way down to the manager. Hence why these managers are saying, no, 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 no. We need a guy. I don't care what it's going to yeah. cost because this, they, these clubs crave success. And there's so few trophies. They made the Europa Conference League so Spurs can finally win one. But generally, there's not that many trophies. And as a result, it's hard for everyone to have a piece of the pie to be successful. And I feel like, even though what I will say is that there is also a point where clubs do look for value in certain cases. There's always the smaller clubs that, you know, always make a profit, always sell on and, and, and buy high. And, you know, I'm not going to undervalue smart recruitment. But ultimately, there is a goal to succeed. And that's why these clubs always jump the gun to try and to try and get there yeah i think your point there on who's actually spending that money is actually a great example if you're a big club actually it's a lot of times it could be the manager if they've actually got that much control um and or sporting director and they're actually it's actually those people that are spending other people's money which i always find quite interesting mm. obviously they'll get sanctioned but if you've got someone an owner that's quite distant i, I don't know i think example but see if like the glaciers for example if um edward would have signed a player um or he signed a player alongside someone else in the club who's close to the first team, um, is the Glazer family really involved in that process or are they just signing off? And realistically, they're probably always going to sign off on it, mm. even though even though the recruitment at United has been pretty poor 
um, over the last few years. A really good example, or another example of who's got the money, who's spending the money. This is Stuart Donald at Sunderland, yeah. It, the Sunderland Till I Die documentary that everyone who has seen that always recounts this, this part to me. When we, we sign Will Grigg, Jack Ross has said to him, look, he's not worth more than 1.5 million. And basically says to him, above that amount, don't sign him. But the manager did actually want him. So the owner is on deadline. The clock is ticking. And he ends up paying, like, I think we paid something like three point something million, like a League One transfer record fee, um, with, you know, the, the possibility of it rising. And that was just prime example of where, like, as you just said, the manager needs a player. Even though the manager's told you, do not pay more than 1.5 million, you're thinking, well, if I don't sign this player for my manager, we're not going to get promoted. If we don't get promoted, that means the value of the club that I own is not going to increase. And you're just you're just chasing that carrot at the end of the stick, um, which for the the owner is actually the value of the club. When the manager does it, or the manager demands it, it's actually that the club actually moving up, success for him, accolades, um, etc. So I think that's a really key point, and that that episode still burns inside me. Um, not that I've rewatched it, but seeing your own club act like that, it's just like, why do I even bother watching? <laughs> what do I bother put all this time and money into? Um, yeah, that'll be, that'll be me in a few months when the Amazon documentary comes out uh, for Arsenal. I mean, we could actually end up winning the league, uh, but that's highly, highly unlikely, so it'll probably end up in tears. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that. I'm actually going to watch that. I, I, did, I didn't watch the Spurs one. I didn't watch the City one. The City one I didn't watch. I, do I really want to see... A sports team. I watched like the last dance, for example. I know I've banged about before. I've seen a documentary about a sports team do really well. I don't really need to see City do that. I watch them all the time on TV. I want to see Arsenal. I want to see what the Sunderland. I want to see the Sunderland equivalent in a Premier League team of a club just filling their objectives. That's yeah, the, nice. that's the real drama. Yeah, brilliant so, stuff. So um, I'll be tuning in. Yeah, great stuff. <laughs> all right, then. Well, we'll uh, wrap this one up uh, up there. Thank you, Etches, for um, pulling together the script on on this particular episode. Um, it's a pretty pretty key determinations there and some big flops that we've named. Probably. I, I can say right now before you wrap up, Nicholas Sipley is not worth any of the money that Arsenal paid for him. That is a straight fact. Um, let's have to let that in, leave that in the pod before it ends. Yeah, I probably wouldn't swap like, I probably wouldn't swap like a bag of tan fastics for him. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, cheers, cheers. Uh, thank you all for listening, guys. Continue to subscribe to us on our platforms and we will see you next time. Cheers, guys. Bye.